0: So it's been a while since uh, we have done artist interviews. Like, probably two and a half years. Um, And for those of you that are new, we used to do artist interviews fairly regularly because we value beauty, and we find that art is one way that we can experience beauty. And we, we really value that creativity that God has breathed into people. And so this morning we're going to be interviewing Emily McNamara, who is new to our community but has been joining us regularly and um, I'm really excited about that I am gonna give a little warning this isn't really all that PG um, we, we acknowledge that there are things that we do need to talk about as community that sometimes are uncomfortable um, but we don't want to shy away from issues that actually affect us and those around us right th- so some of these themes could be triggering for you so if you are triggered by themes Seek someone out that you can debrief with, that you can chat this through, okay? We're not looking to open up any wounds, right? We're just acknowledging pain. Um, and, and sometimes acknowledging pain helps to heal pain. So this morning, you're gonna hear some terminology that I wanna deal with now before we have the interview. And, and some of it might be confusing. Sometimes words are funny, right? When, you, when I say a word, depending on how you lean, whether to the right or to the left, um, you can hear a word very differently. Things like woke, okay, <laughs> here's a good word. If you, lean, if you lean left, you're like, yes, that's a good word, I'm woke. If you lean right, you're like, that's terrible, right? And, and th- those, those things happen with words. I'm not saying either of those are right. They're probably both wrong, and somewhere in the middle of that is, a, is probably the best thought process. But um, I just want to recognize that words are funny. And so just giving a little bit of definition around words before we have a conversation this morning. So the first word is deconstruction. And we think we all know what that means. But in, the term, in terms of faith, deconstruction, right? And we hear this word, and sometimes we're confused and frustrated and sometimes even angry at people destruct, uh, deconstructing their faith, right? Parents dread the day where their kids deconstruct the things they believed in. Things about God, about the spirit, about Jesus, about scripture, about church, about sex, all of those things. And I can't say for certain that all of you will deconstruct your faith, but I haven't yet met a person that hasn't somehow deconstructed faith somewhere along the way. A portion of their faith, right? And, and just, for, um, just for sort of a definition, the Sophia Society writes this description. Destruction or deconstruction is the taking apart of an idea, a practice, a tradition, a belief, or system into smaller components in order to examine their foundation, their truthfulness, youthfulness, and impact, Okay, So it's kind of important for us to note that there is a difference between deconstruction and destruction, right? Deconstruction deconstruction as an image looks to me like the story of the prodigal son a little bit, right? Maybe that's a little bit of destruction, but I want to point out that the child in the story that deconstructs is the one invited to the party, and the one who never does any deconstruction refuses to enter. So one of, one of the things that we've seen in the past number of years with churches is that many young adults are leaving the church. There's a steady decline, despite millions of dollars being poured into programming. And I've begun to wonder if this is because we have not given room for deconstruction. In some some ways, it seems like we actually push our young adults out of the church, right? Take youth programming for an example, right? They're often set up as alternatives, safe measures to keep people away from negative influences, or on the opposite, to keep negative influences out. And that's not a terrible thing. It seems like a pretty natural thing for parents to want and for us churches to want. However, what happens is we don't allow certain people in. We make them an other. Others who think differently, act differently, dress differently. The problem with this is that when a young adult becomes something other than when they begin to question their faith, they themselves become the other that wasn't welcome, that looked different, that sounded different. And so, in doing, doing this, they themselves feel like they no longer belong. And, and this isn't just true for young people. I've experienced this with a family member who's in their late, later part of life. And in, in conversation with this person, it came down to this, that they believe that evolution is a possibility. But their entire 70 years of being in the church, they were told that you can't follow God and believe in evolution. So they knew they didn't belong and after 70 years of part of community, they they left, or felt pushed away. So again, from Sophia Society, it says, "Deconstructing is not a death sentence if we have a safe, nurturing environment in which to ask questions, to have deep questions, and to be welcomed no matter what. If we have the kind of faith community that doesn't reject us as heretics or run in fear from our doubts, we can emerge with a stronger faith than we ever had before. But if we have the opposite, a faith community that discourages and even disi- dis- even stifles dishonest, stifles honesty. I'm going to start that again. But if we have the opposite, a faith community that discourages and even stifles honest, difficult questions, or going outside the norm, chances are, there, are that anyone who starts down the path of deconstruction will be shamed into a complete rejection of their faith. So that's Deconstruction. The second terminology that you might hear this morning, likely will hear, is purity culture. I don't, maybe just a show of hands, does anybody know what that is? Purity culture, yeah, okay. Let me read from Christianity.com, obviously a reliable source. <laughs> Understood for what it is meant to be, the purity movement among evangelical Christians in America was meant to reduce STDs, teen pregnancies, and to encourage teenagers to say no to premarital sex. And for us parents of young adults and kids and teenagers, that sounds like a a pretty good thing, right? None of us want to see our kids go through the pain of a, a sexually transmitted disease, an early unplanned pregnancy, or whatever else can go along with that. However, the purity culture became just another way for the church to other people. Other, in quotes. To make those who had been sexually active feel like garbage. In fact, the illustration was this, that a girl who had sex before marriage was like a chewed up piece of bubblegum, and nobody wanted that. Hmm. Notice that I used the word girl, because purity culture focuses more on the fact that a female is the one responsible, and that their entire their entire existence is about being desirable to their potential husband, which is done best at being pure. That's when she's the most desirable. This makes it seem like it's a woman's responsibility or purpose to simply be desired by a man. What a terribly confusing thing to be told that your existence is about being desired by a man, but when you give in to that purpose, you are now dirty. Not only that, those who had no choice in instances of rape or abuse, they were just forgotten. In the height of, in the height of churches promoting this purity culture idea back in the 90s, and still to this day, um, they had things like con- girls had contracts with their fathers not to have sex. They wore rings um, to show that they weren't engaging in premarital sex. And at the same time, In many of these churches that promoted this, the leaders were abusing, sexually abusing young women in their congregations. Evangelical church leaders who promoted this were found to be harassing women, and at the worst using their influence to abuse them. What was meant to help unmarried people have support in a choice became more opportunity for male domination and the subjugation and objectification of women. And yet another way to exclude people. And we wonder why young people have left the church. I'm going to invite Emily up here. Welcome, Emily. Excellent. I'm excited. Me too. And a bit nervous. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) These are not pre-recorded. No, <laughs> no, they are not. So, they are live. <laughs> um, so the first question is this: uh, Tell us a little bit about your faith journey, and how like that informed this artwork. So you'll yeah. see. Uh, just a little explanation: The artwork on the walls is all Emily's, and if you are a little bit leery of feminine form, stay to my right. <laughs> Okay, if you're okay with feminine form, you may proceed to the left. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, and so just tell us about your faith journey and how that informed this artwork.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I grew up uh, in the Catholic Church. I would go every Sunday with my family, and as a kid, I just loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I went to Catholic high school, so it was kind of just a lot of that um, is what informed my faith as a young person. Um, once I got into high school, I kind of started questioning some things um, that I thought that we were supposed to believe in, not just the Catholic Church, but just as Christians in general. Um, and because I had a lot of questions, I started doing my own research um, on the Internet, which is never a great resource? Well, it sometimes is, but it can have problems. Um, But I was looking for a Christian perspective on a lot of the questions that I was asking about just, you know, the Christian view on various things in, like, politics, in sexuality, in just personal life and how to live your life um, well. And a lot of what I found was... Um, kind of like what you were talking about earlier. It was very shame-based. It was a lot. It was very conservative. It was very um, heavily influenced by purity culture, which I think, as a young person having no idea, like, you know, um, not really having like a Christian space in my high school or church to kind of talk about these things because nobody talked about them. Um, That was kind of just what I went off of. And what that ended up being was a breeding ground for a lot of shame, um, both for having the questions in the first place and not necessarily agreeing with the answers that I found and I felt like I was supposed to believe. Um, So that was very difficult to deal with and kind of an isolating experience. And I wasn't really sure who to go to or talk to, so I just didn't Um, and kind of internalized it, which I'm sure is a, shared experience by many people. Um, And then I came to university, and by that point, I was kind of ready to throw in the towel on Christianity. I was like, this just doesn't seem aligned with what I feel in my body is right, but I was told that I should not listen to that, because that's not, you know, what Christians are supposed to do. Um, And I was lucky enough to find faith communities on campus that allowed for these questions to be asked. It took a long time for me to be comfortable asking them because I thought, you know, people were going to judge me, um, but that didn't happen. So I think that was really transformative in allowing me to kind of go on this journey of deconstruction. Uh, Thankfully, I have a lot of really amazing Christian friends who were also on board with all of that and had similar questions. So um, that whole journey kind of informed my art. I paint and draw a lot about, specifically, the discourse surrounding the female body in Christianity because I think it's something that we just don't talk about very much. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just a quick side. Tell us what you're in university for. I d- I yeah, did. <laughs> of course.
1: Um, so I'm studying, I'm going into my fifth year of my undergrad and I'm studying studio art and psychology.
0: Studio art and psychology, what a good mix. Yes. Um, so this art then was painted, was it used in your, your schoolwork?
1: Um, it started out being just kind of a personal thing that I was exploring um, somewhere along the road of my deconstruction process and then I ended up kind of making some of it for classes. and. Just had like really wonderful support from my professors and classmates, which just kind of fueled it even more. So it's a combination.
0: How, so that, I mean, we didn't, I didn't ask this question in, in yeah. before, but in, in the university context, you're exploring your Christian faith, mm-hmm. which often people assume is not a reality. And here's the, mm-hmm. the irony of this you didn't feel you could explore it in your church circles. Yeah. Um, so, how, you say there was support from uh, your prof- professor. Mm-hmm. Was the was the faith portion of that fairly explicit for them?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, we would have you know like conversations as the art pieces were being developed about like why I was creating them because they want to know the motivation. So I would share a little bit of the experience behind it, and not just my experience, but also the experiences of other people that I've heard that have also been really damaging. Um, and it was just interesting to get, like, a non-Christian perspective on things that could be considered, like, cultural or secular issues. Um, and it just kind of reinforced that what I was doing was healthy, I guess, in, like, exploring these things, so. cool,
0: Awesome, thanks. Yeah. Um, so you speak of deconstruction, we kind of defined that earlier, mm-hmm. several times on, on the artist statement. So beside most of the artwork, you'll see a blurb, and it kind of explains what the imagery is about in those artist statements you, you speak of deconstruction. So how has that, that idea been helpful for you in your faith? And then how important is it for us as a community to make room for that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, deconstruction honestly saved my faith, I think. I genuinely think I probably would have thrown in the towel <laughs> if I had not gone through this very um, confusing and like painful process that felt really isolating at times. Um, So it was very important, and I think it's essential, especially for young people in their teens, I think, to because that's kind of the stage in life where we're questioning things, I think, a little bit, and coming into our own beliefs and identities. um, Providing space and talking about these things is very important, I think, and allowing them to question and saying, like, it's okay, and it's good, and it actually strengthens your faith over time to be questioning these things. So I think it's you know, I hope everybody like who experiences it doesn't have a painful experience with it, but I think it is important to kind of just come into your own beliefs and find what resonates with you as a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, thanks. So in one of, one of the artist statements you write this, women's bodies have been sexualized throughout time and in many contexts continue to be exploited and viewed as sexual objects. Mary reminds us that women's bodies are not sexual objects but rather sacred vessels of creation. A protector of our inner being, and a way in which we experience the world through our sense, through all senses. And my, my question is a little punny. Can you flesh this out a little bit for us?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. Um, I will expand on that. Um, yeah, I think, um, especially like kind of growing up in the in a Catholic context, Mary is very much put on like this pedestal um, because she is the kind of example of. The virgin and the most ideal, pure woman, but we forget that she gave birth to the son of God, and like, what did that really look like, you know? Like, she grew an entire person, not just a person, but God inside of her, and she birthed him, and that's just the most incredible thing, and I think it's something that we don't really like, talk about or remember, is that... Like the body is sacred, and it's not sacred because it's pure. It's sacred because, it, like specifically for individuals who, have like, you know, a womb. Let's say it it can create life. Like that's that's really amazing. Um, so I included in that piece in that artist statement just to kind of encourage people to consider their relationship with their own body regardless of gender because I think the body is very wise and it very, um, it's just, it's very holy and it guides us through life, you know, despite like what I had kind of internalized as you have to ignore it and it's gonna lead you astray and it's gonna lead you into temptation, but really like our body tells us right from wrong and if we know something is wrong or if we know something's right, we feel it in our gut, right? So. Just kind of learning to listen to that, I think, is really important and sacred, honestly.
0: So... Mm -hmm. Awesome. I I love the second one, a protector of our inner being. How is the body a protector of our inner being?
1: Um, Kind of just what I touched on earlier with just intuition. Like I think it really guides us through life and keeps us safe and keeps us out of like we know when something doesn't feel right. Maybe our mind wants to argue with that and try to override that, but every experience that I've had where my gut has told me something and I have not listened has been one of the most painful and like challenging experiences I've had to deal with because I didn't listen to my body. So it very much does protect our inner being and we've evolved for it to keep us safe, you know, and for it to kind of know how to navigate through the world, which is just really amazing if you think about it. <laughs>
0: It it sounds to me like so. I feel like there's still this clinging to Gnosticism where the body is bad, and the spirit is good, and we haven't learned that they're both together. Mm -hmm. The thing, like Jesus was resurrected in body and spirit, not just in spirit. Our our bodies are important, and we Mm -hmm. you're right. We we don't listen to them enough. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Does anybody? I'm I'm gonna open this up a bit, and if Emily is uncomfortable answering your questions. I will answer them for her the best I can. Um, But I'm gonna open it up for questions for her, um, if if anyone's interested.
2: Um, Can you repeat what you said? Uh, To be sacred doesn't mean it needs to be pure?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, in regards to purity culture, and specifically, like female identifying bodies, this narrative's kind of pushed that, you know, your body is a temple and it's sacred and it's something you need to protect it, it, you know, from the outside world. And that is somehow equated to like purity, which for some people is more important than others, but I think like there's so much more to that and I think it's it has a lot more nuances and complexities and it's sacred for various reasons. You know, like Kevin said, like if a person, you know, has lost something that has not been, like, of their own decision, that doesn't make them any less sacred. So I think it's just something that we need to listen to and take care of in whatever way resonates with us the most.
2: Um, I think that's so true, and um, and the words uh, sacred set apart, um, I think it's all about that. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to m- mention, um, coming f- f- from an architectural background, there was a whole deconstruction movement as well. And for me, what really helped to, to, to understand that, coming from a, a Christian uh, the, the upbringing as well, was thinking of the word construct or construct. Because mm-hmm. I think the word deconstruction really comes from that. It, it, a construct is like a system, a system of thinking and that ha- might have assumptions, and to deconstruct is to really look at those assumptions. So that's something I'm just putting out there to, to everyone that helped me to understand deconstruction. It's not necessarily demolishing something. Mm-hmm. it's It's looking at that construct.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important comment. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it, like going off of that, it's also important to talk about not just the deconstruction because we can't stop there, right? Following the deconstruction is a reconstruction and a rebuilding with things that resonate with you. And I think that's also an important conversation to have. So thank you for, for sharing.
0: I would say, though, that both the deconstruction and the reconstruction have to be done in safe space. Yes, Right. absolutely. Like, I think that's the problem. We don't provide the safe space to reconstruct those things. Yeah. Is there, any, yeah, uh, let me, I'll go here and then there.
2: Um, you mentioned that growing up, you grew up in a, in a culture that was very much, this is the way, ignore your inner feelings if they don't align with this. For anybody who's had similar experiences that hasn't gone through that deconstruction process, or hasn't even looked at the deconstruction construction process, is there any um, advice or encouragement that you lean on in uh, conversations to allow them to feel heard, but also encourage them to take another look? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's like, more common than we realize in, like, particularly Christian circles for people to feel like they don't have space or they feel like they can't ask questions because if they do, like, that's going against their religion, whatever. But um, one thing I heard, I don't know if it was on a podcast or from a mentor when I was going through my whole deconstruction, um, is that shame is not from God. Like, that's just not something that is, you know, if you're experiencing shame around your body or anything... Um, it's not from God. Like, it's not something positive. And I think it's okay to to deal with those things. Um, Of course, like, this whole process can be very painful and it can bring up a lot of stuff. So finding support in whatever way you can. I know that sometimes going to other people who are also involved in religion feels intimidating because you feel like maybe you'll be judged or something like that. Um, So maybe it's talking to somebody who is you know a more affirming christian or maybe going to like a therapist if that's helpful or a friend who you feel safe with and who you feel like will be more open-minded but i think having those conversations in community if possible is really important and it's the responsibility of churches to provide a community that feels safe for people
0: i i always remember that the first story in the bible one of the first Mm -hmm. stories is that adam and Eve felt shame -hmm. And God comes and covers it. Exactly. It kind of speaks to what you're saying. Yeah. Next question here. This will be the last one, sorry.
1: So, Emily, I understand that you found safe space to deconstruct Mm -hmm. what you had been raised with. Have you had a chance to go back since doing your deconstruction and have conversations with? people or like individuals or the community that you were raised in and did, how was that received if you did that and did you experience pushback? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, like my family has always been very supportive and just like so amazing and really has provided like safe space for me to land my whole life. Um, I Through this whole process, I came to realize that a lot of it was internalized and I think it was just my own like feeling like I I couldn't talk about it, like it wasn't safe. And then once I did talk about it with people, they were a little bit, like they were kind of understanding and accepting. They were like, yeah, it's totally okay to question, but it was just this sort of internalized thing that I'd kind of just taken on that it wasn't okay to talk about because it was never spoken about in my like Catholic high school or my Catholic church and just any church that I'd gone to. Um, But it it can definitely happen. Like people, you can go through a deconstruction process and you you might have people in your life who totally disagree with you. And that's that's hard, but it's okay. Yeah.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, that just because something isn't explicit doesn't make it, or doesn't mean it isn't implicit. Like Mm -hmm. I, I even spoke a little bit earlier about programs that were designed to push people out. Nobody ever designed them explicitly to do that. Yeah. None of us would do that. Like we're just—I don't think anybody's like that. Mm-hmm. However, we don't look at the way that it it ends up doing that, and yep. probably why deconstruction is super important because we're always then reevaluating what what is this? What is implicit in this that isn't explicit in that? So. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think like talking about stuff is the most important thing mm-hmm. that we can do because not talking about stuff almost it's like we're hiding something or like we're not talking about it because it's something to be ashamed of or afraid of. So I think just having conversations is a great first step and just like opening that door. So for sure.
0: Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much. Um, thank you for being so brave. Yeah. Uh, amazing. I know it's not always an easy thing to talk to with church people. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, let me pray. And then feel free to, to have conversations after. Ask Emily some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Look at the art uh, and enjoy each other's company. Let's pray, yeah. Father God. We are thankful for your presence here. Thank you for speaking to us amidst um, struggles, when when we don't know the answers, when we think we have the answers, but those answers no longer seem to work. And we pray for each person that is going through that, those valleys, those struggles. We pray that you would remind them that you are the prodigal father, the one waiting, standing far off, ready to run. God, I pray that you would be with this community, that you would help us to be a safe place for people, people to question, to be loved in the middle of that. And God, I pray that you'd be with each person that's here this morning and, and online, and I pray that your presence would be real. Bless them as they enjoy the day. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So go enjoy the day in the peace and the love and the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.